Glory to God. We'll open our Bibles again today to Scripture that we've been looking at in these classes. The ninth chapter of Matthew to begin with, and then we'll turn over to the fifth chapter of John's Gospel. We'll read some other Scripture while we're there. But if you'll find those two openings, it'll be sufficient. The ninth chapter of Matthew, the fifth chapter of John's Gospel. Now here in the ninth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, the 35th verse, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness or every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth the laborers into his harvest. Now again, the, the fifth chapter of John's gospel. Here the word of God tells us, beginning to read with the very first verse. After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man uh, was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath day. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is a Sabbath day, it's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. And afterwards Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed, and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus, and sought to slay him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus, and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Then in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, in the 12th verse, we read where Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. 
and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. So then if we are as believers to do the works of Jesus, let's examine real carefully, and that's what we're doing in these classes, just how Jesus ministered to the sick, just what he did in his ministry. Because we see, we, we need to get a whole picture of his ministry because uh, all of it is his works, not just isolate the healing. Now you'll notice the first text we read uh, concerns the entire ministry of Jesus and it consisted of these three things. He went about their cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every manner of sickness and disease among the people. Praise God forevermore. See, his ministry consisted of teaching, preaching, healing. Now, very often when it comes to healing, you see, uh, I mean, we get uh, our minds upon miracles and uh, miraculous deliverances, which usually happen instantly. You know, I pastored another 12 years, never did bury one church member in 12 years of pastoral work, never knew of one of them that got healed instantly. Number two, they very seldom got healed in a healing meeting. I had healing meetings every Saturday night. Outsiders came and got healed. How did your members get healed? By me teaching them. They didn't even get healed through prayer primarily. How did you get them healed and not bury one church member in 12 years? By teaching. See, we don't think a lot of time that we're doing the work of Jesus in teaching, but we are. Are you listening to me? See, that's one way that he got people healed. See, he didn't always get people healed through miraculous gifts of the Spirit. Now, let's back up and look at this a moment. We've covered this ground, but we'll look at it for a moment here. Notice this. Notice this. First of all, here is the healing that takes place at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, an angel comes down, troubles the water. The first one in gets healed. That's all. Got to wait again for the angel to come. So you'll see that God does initiate some healings on his own. He's a divine sovereign being. He can do anything he wants to do as long as he doesn't violate his word. You see, he's given us his holy word. If he violated his word, he'd be a liar. Just like you, if you violate your word, you're a liar. Well, healing, of course, does not violate his word, does it? It's in line with his word. So if he wanted to send an angel down to trouble the water, just to let people know, you see, God will do some things for signs every now and then. Just let people know he's still alive and doing well. Praise God that his power is still available. And so you'll see those things happen. You'll see those things happen. And another thing that you need to notice is that this man wasn't what we would call a Christian man or whoever got in there. He didn't have to be a Jew. He didn't have to be a, what we would call a saved person. I mean, there was no qualification, saved or unsaved. Amen. Pretty or ugly. Rich or poor. Man or woman, just the first one in got healed. And you'll see things like that happen today. Then secondly, Jesus came along there this day. Now he's ministering, Acts 10, 38 said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost and power went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And here you have a manifestation of the Spirit of God, two manifestations of the Spirit of God, or we call them gifts of the Spirit. First of all, Jesus knew that the man had been that way for a long time in that case, or we'd say in that condition. How did he know it? Didn't anybody tell him? Well, he knew it, but divine revelation was revealed to him. That's what we call the word of knowledge. Then secondly, Jesus did not pray for him. Jesus did not touch him. Jesus did not lay hands upon him. Jesus did not teach him. Jesus said, other than wilt thou be made whole. He said, sir, I have no one to put me in the water. 
Jesus just said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man rose, took up his bed, was healed instantly. Praise God, went his way. The Jews accosted him for he is carrying his bed on the Sabbath and that wasn't lawful. Uh, you know, you weren't even supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. Not even get a stick of wood, gather wood for a fire, not even light a fire on the Sabbath and so on. And uh, so he was, you know, violating their Sabbath by carrying his bed. And so they, they accosted him and stopped him and talked to him, you know, why? Well, he said, uh, the man that healed me, the fellow that cured me, told me to do it. Well, he said, who was that man? And he said, well, I don't know. He said, the scripture said, he wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away. Now, you see, here's something unusual that we need to realize and grasp about gifts of the Spirit, manifestation of the Spirit. You see, Jesus ministered to the one man and disappeared, so to speak. Just, just conveyed himself away, it said. We read the expression there. Lost in the crowd. Why didn't he minister? There's five porches full of sick people here. Well, you see, ministering under the anointing of the Spirit, you can only minister to the one that the Lord says minister to. Jesus gave an illustration of that. We looked at it there in the fourth chapter of Luke, where he said, in the days, you remember, of Elijah the prophet, there were many widows in Israel. Many widows. And, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta there, city of Sidon. In other words, he couldn't just go into anybody, any widow's home and, and work a miracle. See, that was the gift of working a miracle that was manifested where the oil crews kept giving oil and the meal bearer kept giving meal. In the days of Elisha, the prophet, there were many lepers in Israel and none of them were healed, cleansed. Not a single one of them. Not a single one of them. Now, people evidently were healed of other things. But uh, saving Naaman of the Syrian. Well, Naaman came to Elisha, the prophet. Elisha didn't go out, just sent his servant out there, said, go dip the river Jordan seven times and your flesh will be made clean. And he eventually did and was healed. Well, now why? You see, he was ministering under the anointing of the Spirit, what the Spirit told him to do. You see what I mean? And he only had the word for the one man. That's right, it wouldn't work for every Israel light. And of course, Naaman wasn't even Israelite, he is unsaved. You know, as we would say it, he wasn't uh, he wasn't following the God of of Jehovah God. His God was Dagon, and yet the Spirit of God said, "Yeah, I've had God tell me to go raise up sinners, and they were raised up. Absolutely, Amen. Heal." Well, you say what happened to him? Well, the same thing happened to the old old Naaman. Praise God! He said, "Now I know there's no other God. Hallelujah in Israel, except the God of Israel. Hallelujah! They turned to God. That's what happened. That's what happened." But you, why don't you go to everybody? Well, unless God told you, you can't. I'm talking about with gifts of the Spirit. You understand? I'm not talking about going with teaching. You can go with teaching and preaching to everybody. But you can't go with manifestation, the gift of the Spirit to everybody. You can minister as the Spirit enables you or inspires you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you can see that in the life of Jesus. All of his healings were not accomplished in this way. The majority of Jesus' healings, and we have a record of the individual cases, you know, understand sometimes this is an individual case here, this man at the pool of Bethesda. However, you understand that the, it speaks sometimes about a multitude of people and so on and so forth. But we have a record in the four Gospels of the individual testimonies or individual cases of healing that the Spirit sought to record. You understand they were more than that. But there are 19 recorded instances now, like I said before, we think they're more very often because, you see, some of the same writer, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the same incident. Incidentally, this, this here at the pool of Bethesda, John's the only one that records that. But many of them, like, for instance, the woman with the issue of blood, both Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the same incident, but you just count it once because it's only one person. 
And so there are 19 specific cases that are listed under the ministry of Jesus. Out of the 19 specific cases, the word of God, Jesus himself, speaks of the faith of the individual that made them whole. Now notice here, this man's faith didn't make him whole. Did you notice that? I said, did you notice that? This man here at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus didn't say thy faith. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. See, praise God. Like I, I use this illustration sometime. My wife and I went in to minister to a lady who's on the bed. Doctors, uh, three different clinics that said she's on her deathbed. We can't do anything. And we started to pray because ordinarily that's the way you do. You see, the Bible teaches laying on the hands. The Bible said to anoint with oil. The Bible said the prayer of faith to save the sick, doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? See, and so ordinarily you do that. Well, we started to do that when the word of the Lord came unto me saying, don't pray, don't lay hands on her, don't anoint her with oil, get up and stand up and say unto her, the Lord told me to tell you you're well, get up. I did, she did, the Lord did. Praise God. Well, now you see, you could do that because the spirit said do it. Are you following me? But now I can't do that in everybody. Now what am I gonna do? I've been to other places. I don't misunderstand me at all. I've been to other, other, into other rooms where folks were on the deathbed. I didn't get anything. I put up my spiritual antenna. I prayed. The Lord didn't say anything. Well, how are you going to help them? Well, there's only one way then. That's teach them the word of God. Praise God. Show them what the Bible says about healing, about laying on hands. Get them to agree with you and believe with you and lay hands upon them. Now, some of them, that was the doctor said, this is, you know, this is terminal, this is deathbed, we can't do anything. And don't misunderstand me, thank God for good doctors. But they just done their best and that was it. And so some of them began to agree with you, began to believe with you, and were healed, raised up. I don't misunderstand me at all, there were others that died. Amen. But you see, that doesn't do away with the fact that the Bible's still true. See, that doesn't do away with the fact, praise God, the, the difference was, that you just simply could get some of them to listen and some of them you couldn't. Doesn't mean they weren't Christians. Doesn't mean they weren't saved. Doesn't mean they weren't filled with the Spirit. See, some of them said, well, now I just believe though, when, if, if, well, that's the bad doubt. If or when the Lord gets ready, he's gonna heal me. Well, I said, you see, the word of God said, according to God, according to the Bible, it's already yours. I taught him that, you see. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The scripture said, Matthew 8, 17. 1 Peter 2, 24, by whose stripes ye were healed. If we were, then I was. If I was, then I am. Hallelujah. Yeah, but I just believe good and spirit-filled people don't misunderstand me. Wonderful folks. I just believe, though, when the Lord gets ready, he's gonna heal me. Well, it wasn't a few days that he's dead. Thank God they went to heaven. Glory to God. Been shouting up and down the streets of gold ever since then. Praise the Lord. But I'm sorry they missed out down here what they should have got in on. But the other one, the same condition. As we gave the word to them, we didn't have that, that the manifestation of the spirit. But can you minister? Oh, yes, yes. What, what can you do? Tell them what the word says. Teach them, teach them, teach them, teach them, teach them. Hallelujah. How would you teach a little child a multiplication table? Amen. Praise God. Write it out on a blackboard. Give them a piece of paper or a book with it in it. Amen. Have them to repeat it. Have them to use it. Have them to say it over and over again. After a while, it registers on them. Amen. Isn't that right? Well, how are you going to teach people the word of God? Praise God. Write it out. Hallelujah. Now we've got tapes and cassettes and one thing or another. Get them to repeat it. Get them to say it. 
Amen. I've seen those folks right there. Yes, they're terminal cases, just, just like the rest of them. They're on what the doctor said is their deathbed. They, they got to die. We've done all we can do for them. There's no manifestation of the Spirit. The others said, well, no, yeah, when God gets ready, he'll heal me. They went ahead and died. These began to say, I see it. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, he took my infirmities. He bare my sicknesses. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. In a few days, he's up and out of bed and well. Glory to God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, notice that Jesus' ministry, evidently one-third of it consisted of teaching, at least. I said at least. That might be good for any that may be ministers among us. Amen. Now, notice what it said here. Let's go back there to that ninth chapter. That ninth chapter of Matthew. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. So his ministry then consisted of teaching, preaching, healing, didn't it? Notice again that it is of significance that it does not put healing first. You know, I think that's where a lot of people miss it. They don't want to listen to anything. They just want to jump, jump in and be healed. Put healing first. Are you listening? Amen. Amen. That was the difficulty that I had a lot of times with, with my members there. That's the reason it took me so long with some of them. It'd take me six months sometimes to get some of my church members healed. Good, good people don't misunderstand it. Saved people, filled with the Holy Ghost, lovely folk, lived holy, separated, consecrated, dedicated lives. Why did it take you so long? Well, it wasn't a matter that I'm so slow. It's just a matter that I had to change their thinking. It took me time to change their thinking. I got to get them to think in line with God's word. Well, now, what if you could not have gotten them to think in? Well, I did. So let's not get on what ifs. <laughs> Amen. Uh, of course, if they hadn't listened, I wouldn't have been able to help them. Now, let's look just a little bit. Why don't we look at some of these cases where the faith... See, now, we've been dealing on the side of manifestations of the Spirit and these things and how that happens. Now, let's look on this side. Twelve out of the 19 specific cases, Jesus mentions their faith. Your faith did it. So those cases were not manifestations of gifts of the Spirit, something that God initiated on his own. There was something that people received on their own. You see, God does initiate some things on his own. Thank God he does. But people can receive by faith on their own. So 12 out of the 19 specific cases were healed on their faith. Now that leads me to believe then 12 out of 19... And, and some of the other, the other seven, it infers their faith. But that leads me to believe then that, well, I, I mean, it is a flat statement. I mean, it is a fact that uh, the majority of the individuals that were healed on the ministry of Jesus were healed on their own faith. That makes me believe then. Now, that is a statement of fact I just told you, you know. That makes me believe then that the majority of people that are going to be healed today, if we're going to do the works of Jesus, they're going to be healed the same way. Well, now then, let's examine just a little bit uh, along this line. Let, 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 let's see some of these cases. Well, right here in this same ninth chapter of Matthew, 
We were there in the 35th verse. Let's back up there to the 27th verse. And let's read uh, uh, something here about the ministry of Jesus, the works of Jesus. And when Jesus departed thence, 27th verse, thence, that is from Jairus' house, where his daughter had been raised from the dead and healed, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Now stop reading in the 27th verse. They've cried and prayed and are still blind. And Jesus hadn't even answered. Didn't even turn around and talk to him. <laughs> well, if you're going to do the works that Jesus did, sometimes you're just going to have to walk along. Folks are hollering, not even say a word to him. Just go on. Did you ever stop thinking about that? I said, did you ever stop thinking about that? Yeah, Jesus didn't answer him. He just went on. There's reasons why you do sometimes. You understand me? Now then, look at the 28th verse. And when he was coming to the house, that's the house where he was going, the blind men came to him. They came into the house then. Now then, Jesus said something to him. I want you to notice this. You see, he didn't have, now to that man at the pool of Bethesda, he didn't ask him anything other than, wilt thou be made whole? He said, sir, have no one put me in the water. Somebody who gets into him. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. The man immediately was, he rose, took up the bed and walked. Now Jesus, notice, asked them a question. Believe ye. I want you to notice, in other words, in modern usage, you know, this is King James translation. In modern usage, in other words, he, he, he just simply said, what do you believe? You see, other when God may as he sees fit to initiate something on his own, and if he doesn't, you see, we're not left stranded. Thank God we have his word. But then what we believe is of utmost importance. Now, I've had people in the most desperate conditions, crippled people, paralytics, that said to me, well, if I'm supposed to believe anything, just forget it. I couldn't help them. See, if I'd had a manifestation of the Spirit, if God said minister to him, I could have ministered to him, but he didn't say. So I guess I had to walk off and leave him paralyzed. But I've seen the same people, sometimes in a matter of a few days, sometimes weeks, and sometimes years. Same people come back and listen to the teaching of the Word and become perfectly well. Become perfectly well. I mean, it's quite obvious when somebody that's paralyzed swinging their body along between crutches and throw down the crutches and walk as good as you can. <laughs> 12-year-old kid and half sense in one eye, no disease. <laughs> Amen, isn't that right? Amen. Praise God. Well, now, why weren't they healed before? Well, there wasn't any manifestation of the Spirit and their believing had something to do with it. And that's what I was trying to do is to get them to cooperate with me in believing. But they said, oh, no, if I'm supposed to believe anything, just forget it. And so we had to forget it. Amen. Well, sometimes if you're doing the works of Jesus, you'll have to minister just like Jesus did. What do you believe? You know, it's strange answers you'll get if you'll start asking sick people, what do you believe? You know, in essence, that's what Jesus asked him, wasn't it? What do you believe about it? Used to in smaller meetings. See, I can't do it in larger meetings. I got too many people to minister to. 
and I sometimes wish I did have more time. Here we do have a little more time. But used two years ago in my meetings, in what we had, just had church meetings. You see, I would usually, after I'd preached and sent people into the prayer room for salvation, I'd have what I called a prayer line. And uh, you could understand that every night with, in a church building, you know, maybe seat 500, 800, and sometime not over 1,000 people back in those days, 30, 35 years ago, you know, why you didn't have too many great big churches and full gospel circles that you could minister each night, you know, and we'd have people line up down the side of the wall and I'd have them come across the front and I'd take them one by one. Some folk here were in some of those meetings and you know. You know. And, and I'd ask them, you see. I, a lot of times, uh, sometimes I'd stand there and a lot of times I'd sit in the chair if I was tired because you'll last longer. You see, when you go, grow tired, then you can't minister in the spirit because it's difficult to yield the spirit. You'll lose the anointing. And if you're ministering under the anointing, well, then you, you just have to quit. And so I'd sit in a chair and I'd take these folks one by one and I'd ask them, first of all, what did you come for? Well, I mean by that, did you come to be healed or did you come to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you see? Because you only instruct them a little bit differently if they're going to be filled with the Spirit or if they're going to be healed. And then I'd ask them, secondly, I want to find out if they're Christian or are you a, are you a Christian or what church are you a member of? You pretty well locate people to find out what church you're a member of. And then you would tell them, even if there's a member of this full gospel church where you're preaching, well, you know, being a member of the church is not going to say, you see, at the same time, you're teaching people. You see, we need to realize that teaching is more than just standing up here behind a pulpit or at a podium teaching people. Teaching is more than that. Are you listening to me? See, at the same time, you're teaching people. You're teaching people, individual, and you're teaching the rest of the congregation that's watching by example. I'd say you understand you could be a member of this full gospel church right here where I'm preaching. That wouldn't make you a Christian. Have you been born again? Do you know that you're a child of God? Well, most all of them did. Once in a while, you'd meet one that didn't. I'd send him to the prayer room. I want him to know that first. We need to put spiritual things first. You know what's odd about it? Sometimes when you'd send those folks that need healing to the prayer room and they'd get whatever it was they came after, they'd just instantly get healed. They didn't even have to get back in the healing line. <laughs> Sometimes it works that way. Then I would say, well, I've come for healing, for instance. I remember one meeting now. I asked folks, you know, those that came to be filled with the Spirit, I'd ask them, will you be filled with the Holy Ghost now when I lay hands upon you? Now, back in those days, see, it's nothing at all now for, for a hundred people a night to be filled with the Spirit. But, of course, we have larger meetings. But in those days, you were preaching in Spirit-filled churches, you know, and you get something outside. They had a few chronic folks who had been seeking for years. But uh, I, I would have sometimes over a period of uh, three weeks, sometimes 100, 120 filled with the Holy Ghost. In this particular meeting I'm thinking of just now, we had 56 people. Not one night now, over a period, we're in the third week, over a period of about two weeks, is, I believe it's on Tuesday night, two weeks, you know, and a couple of days over. We didn't have any services on Saturday. Now, I called the congregation, see, if people would listen, bless their hearts, you weep about it. Whether you realize it or not, I go sometimes away from the service weeping. They sat right there and didn't listen. They think, well, that's that person. 
No, you can be taught and listen. I call the congregation's attention to this fact, you see, that here were 56 people, you know, one or two or sometimes three or four, you know, different nights. Every single one of them, when I said, will you be filled with the Spirit? Now, as I lay hands on you, said, yes, I will. Every single one of them instantly received. We got to the 57th one, and they said, I hope I will. I said, well, you won't. I tried to get them to change their hope into faith, and they did mentally say, you know, just thinking it pleased me, but they didn't receive. Now, I said, see, the congregation can be taught. You, you, you see the difference between hope and faith? Everybody who believed to receive, instantly received. Every single one, without exception. It's not a matter that God made an exception. He baptized 56 of them and the 57 of them, and he didn't. It's a matter, you see, they said, I hope I will. Now, by the same token, I'd ask these people, Jesus did here, in doing the works of Jesus, let's follow his example. He said we're to do his works. Let's do them the way he did then. So sometimes, now not every time did Jesus do it this way, but he did sometimes. I'd say to them, will you be healed now? After I establish the fact you know what they came for, after I establish the fact that they are saved, they are born again, they are a Christian. Will you be healed now when I lay my hands on you? It's amazing the answers you get. See, you asked him, wouldn't you be here? Well, yeah, but now, Brother Hagin, the doctor said that my condition is incurable. I said, I know that. You've already told me that. I didn't ask you what did the doctor say. I asked you, what do you believe about it? Well, actually, people are out in the healing line. I've had it more than once. Well, I, I, I don't think I'll get healed now because the doctor said, well, how are you going to help people like that? You know, from the natural standpoint, you want to say, well, what in the world are you doing up here uh, wasting my time and wasting the congregation's time when you know ahead of time you're not going to get a thing? No, you see, if they'd read to tell the truth, they're just sort of taking a chance on it, maybe a might. No, it's not a chance thing. Are you listening? Well, I don't have time. I'm just there holding special meetings. Now, you see, that's what you ran into as a pastor. But you see, you had to take time to teach them to get their thinking right. And if you had time to do it, but of course, you don't have time just to stop with one. Other people there in the line, you had to pass them on. And you go ahead and pray for them anyway. You know they're not going to get anything. But you go ahead and pray for them anyhow. For the simple reason that if you can keep them a coming to the meeting. And, and some way or another, the Word of God has a way of getting into them. And I've seen those same people, bless their heart, that's been in the line more than once, and every single time they hummed and hauled around, was sure they wasn't going to get anything, but they thought if God's moving, I might get something. I hope I do. <laughs> and they didn't. But I've seen the same people because they kept coming. Now, you see, if we were just mean to them, well, they, they, they would have probably quit and wouldn't have come. I've seen the same people. The truth dawned on them. I've had them to come to me. Well, they ain't you know why I haven't been healed. I said, well, I said, do you know? That's the important thing. Now, whether I know or not is unimportant because I'm not the one needing healing. I didn't know, but I didn't want to tell them because I wanted them to find out for themselves. Yeah, I see it. I've just been a-hoping. 
You know, I'm coming in faith tonight. And I saw the same person instantly healed. Believing does have something to do with it. Amen. Believing is of utmost importance. I said believing is of utmost importance. Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. You know, medical science is beginning to see that more and more. I heard a doctor talking there on the uh, Good Morning America show, you know, back in May. And, and he was talking there, you know, and he said, uh, he, he was talking along his line that believing in faith is necessary, even in medicine. You've got to believe the medicine will help you. And he said, we've had people on certain things and we knew they didn't need to keep on taking some of these things. And so we just put them on what we would call, you know, a sugar pill or a soda pill, nothing in the world to it. And we got the same results. Well, then the fellow, you know, whatever his name is there, you know, the main MC on that, you know, he said, well, didn't you feel badly about that, you know? I mean, sort of a misleading. No, we didn't, we didn't tell them it was or wasn't anything. They just thought the same thing because it's the same color pill or same color whatever. But they believe that. I read just in the paper up there at Philadelphia. The doctor said faith will heal warts. So I went on reading this. This doctor said, you know, they have a certain, I don't know what it is, that they'll put on a wart and it'll dissolve it after a while. And this doctor said, now on some of them we put that on, on others I just put plain water on them, every one of them disappeared. Said, well, how come those warts to disappear off of those people? He said, because they believed they would. That's what I've been telling people. Well, that's that's the reason that I always get rid of warts. I've been telling them that for years. No issue having warts on your body. I mean, or any kind of growth. Just tell it to disappear in the name of Jesus Christ and believe that. Glory to God, and keep on praising God. Now, now you see these folks over there. We're getting results. See, they're copying us and get him some results and not even Christian people, not even saved people. But because they are spirit beings, they have the ability to believe with their spirits. Are you following me now? And they're getting some results. How much more should we get results? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, did you ever stop to think about it? Now, just stop and think just a little bit. Did you ever stop to think about it? These two blind men were not born again, spirit-filled people. Were they? Certainly not. Certainly not. Now, they may have been, I don't know, I suppose, assume that they were Jews because they cried out to him, called him the Son Lamb of God, and may have been walking in whatever light they had, but they had certainly never been born again because Jesus hadn't died yet, hadn't risen from the dead yet. And they're not filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost hadn't come yet. You know, certain ones were anointed for certain reasons as God will. Well, now listen. But yet Jesus, notice, talks about their believing. He discusses their believing with them. Doesn't he? In, in one sense of the word, Analyze, you might say he's saying to them, what do you believe? Or in other words, what do you believe about this? I told you about one of this assistant pastors, associate pastors here in town, here in Tulsa, one of the full gospel churches. He was telling me that one of the members sick, one of the men, homesick in bed. He called in for prayer. The church secretary said, well, the pastor's not here. He'd gone over to Oklahoma City for some reason or another on some business or something. But one of the assistants here, well, it'd be all right for him to come, you see. So he went out to follow James 5, 14. Is any sick among them? Call, oh, both of them were obeying that. Let him call the elder church, let them pray with him, Lord, the Lord, name of the Lord, to pray, faith, save the sick, Lord, so raise him up, he who committed sin, shall be forgiven. And so he told me, 
You know, he read these scriptures to the man. The man knew him. He was a member of a full gospel church, actually Assembly of God Church here in the city. And, and, and he'd heard all these scriptures, but he read them again from his testament and took his little oil bottle and anointed his forehead and laid his hand on him and started praying. And he said to me personally, he said, I must have been inspired by the Spirit because I didn't think it. Right in the middle of my prayer, I say the middle, maybe the, well, I'd begun to pray, maybe the third of my prayer. I don't know how long I would have prayed, really. But anyway, right in the middle of the whole thing, so to speak, he said, I heard these words come out of my mouth. What do you, think about that, a fellow praying suddenly say, what are you going to be doing tomorrow? <laughs> and without thinking, the man answered back, said, well, I'll be here in the bed sick. And he just stopped his prayer. He said, well, there's no need to pray then. If you're not going to get anything, why pray? Are you listening? Amen. The man thought a little bit about that. He said to his wife, hand me the phone. Dial, dial my office. So she dialed the office and handed it to him. He said, this is so-and-so. I just wanted to call in and let you know I'll be in to work tomorrow. Hung up the phone and said, now pray. He prayed and the man is healed. <laughs> Can you see the difference of believing? <laughs> Can you see the difference of what you believe? Why did he say I'll be in bed here tomorrow sick? Because he believed it. I was preaching one time down in the southern part of Oklahoma. We went over to Paris, Texas. We didn't have any Saturday night service where I was preaching meeting in church. Pastor said, Brother Egan, so-and-so, two other ministers, in those days I was in the Voice of Healing, associated with the Voice of Healing. And there's two other Voice of Healing preachers preaching over there in Paris. So we went over to visit their meeting. See, they had a Saturday night meeting. We, we were standing, the, the, the two of them and the pastor over there in Paris, Texas, and myself and the pastor, I went, there's five ministers. We're standing around here at the front. It's about time to start the service. Just almost time, you know, the musician's already playing. We just stand there talking, fellowship a little bit. And a lady came up to us. And, and she walked up here, you know, and said uh, uh, to the pastor, uh, I wanted to get, you know, she didn't say to the, to the healing ministers because they were in healing ministry, said to the pastor, I wanted to get brother, called this main one that did the preaching, to minister, to lay hands on me for healing. But the pastor said, sister, did, you know, he's been announcing, you know, uh, this is a special miracle night tonight. You know, they've been ministering to sick other nights, but this night they'd announce, bring your stretcher cases, you know, and everybody you know. And he's going to minister at the close of the service. Said, just wait and get in the healing line. No, no, she said, I want him to lay hands on me now because just as soon as he prays, I'm going home, go to bed. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, she said that. <laughs> well, now, what is she going to get if they pray? Nothing. 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 <laughs> Can you see that? She didn't expect to get nothing. You know, we quote that old proverb sometimes, blessed he that expecteth nothing, for he shall not be disappointed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Believe in. Oh, it's of utmost importance what you believe. No, Jesus is not talking about what he believes, what Jesus believes. But he's talking about what they believe. Believe ye that I'm able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Or in our word, in our way we talk, they said, Yes, Lord. Now notice this. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According 
to your faith, be it unto you. If you're going to do the works of Jesus, sometimes that's the way you minister. Sometimes that's what you do. You lay hands on people and say, according to your faith, be it done unto you. And you know they'll get mad when you do it. They want it according to your faith. But now wait just a minute. Oh, I know, I've been there. (laughs) Wait a minute. Not one single time, not one single time did Jesus ever touch anybody pray for anybody, minister to anybody, and say, according to my faith, so be it done unto you. Not once. Not once. And no man has a right to do it in his name. You're you're treading on quicksand, so to speak. Are you listening? The servant's not above his master. Not one single time did Jesus ever say to anybody, according to my faith, be it unto you. Now, you know, a lot of times we try to. I'm just as guilty as you are. I've tried it myself, but I never got it to work yet. Oh, yeah, boy, I tried. Oh, how hard I tried. But it's not according to my faith. You know, like I tell sometimes, you know, this is just one incident out of many, but I believe year before last, not this past Christmas, but Christmas before last, one of our students here. Of course, he had heard faith preached all down through the fall. I teach the faith classes, you know, and that's right and good. What he heard was right. He didn't necessarily apply it always right. So he went home at Christmas time, came back, dejected, faith don't work, wanted to talk to me. I talked to him just crossing between buildings. I don't have a lot of time to talk and talk. Got a lot of things coming up. He wants to know, now I know Brother Egan, I had faith. I know I believe. How come Uncle Charlie to die? Well, I said in the first place, I don't know how come Uncle Charlie died unless the Lord told me and he didn't tell me. I don't even know Uncle Charlie. But now I, I, I know I was believing. I know I was believing. I know I made the right confession. I said, yeah, but now what did Uncle Charlie want to do? Oh, I said he wanted to go on and be with the Lord. Well, according to your faith, so be it done unto you. That's what he wanted, so that's what he got. Are you listening? I said, are you listening? Can you see something there? I trust you can. How should he have tried to help Uncle Charlie? Just purely on his own faith? No. Jesus didn't just try to help these two blind men on his own faith. He talked about their faith. He tried to get their faith and did get their faith to work in and in the right direction, didn't he? I said, didn't he? How do you do that? With teaching. With teaching. Praise God. I don't know whether I'm helping you or not. I'm I'm preaching me happy. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say amen if you can. If you can't say amen, say oh me. Because it's all so. I'm not going to take it back. It's all so. Now, now here's something else. I want you to observe and notice. See, I'll, I'll reiterate. Not one single time. Read all the four Gospels carefully. I've read them 150 times and many more than that. Not one single time did Jesus ever say to anybody, according to my faith, so be it done unto you. Secondly, not one single time did Jesus ever say to anyone according to the apostles' faith, so be it done unto you. Or according to my followers' faith, so be it done unto you. He always dealt with the individual and their faith. Now here's another concrete example. You know the, the, the story of the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. Now Matthew records that 
And while we're there in that ninth chapter, I said, well, look at it. I always read the fifth chapter of Mark. You can read the fifth chapter of Mark because it has a more complete story of the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. But if you, you know, we were reading there 27, 28, 29th verses about these two blind men. Now skip back up there to the 20th verse. Yeah. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And Jesus turned him about. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. My faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Oh no, I misread that, didn't I? And Jesus turned him about when he saw her and said, daughter, be of good faith. Peter's faith has made thee whole. Oh, no, I missed that, didn't I? Jesus turned him about and said, daughter, be of good comfort. James's faith has made you whole. No, took more than that. Daughter, be of good comfort. Peter, John, and James's faith has made you whole. No, that wouldn't be enough. No, no. He turned him about and said, daughter, be of good comfort. All 12 apostles, their faith has made you whole. It took 12 of them to get it done. No. No, that's not what he said, did he? I said, that's not what he said, did he? What are you going to say to people? Huh? Don't misunderstand me. See, there's the manifestation of the Spirit that happens as the Spirit manifests himself. But if you don't have that, what are you going to say? See, you can move with confidence then. <laughs> are you beyond Jesus? Are you greater than Jesus? Is a servant greater than his master? No. No. Then Jesus ministered to people on the basis of their faith, didn't he? Come on, you might as well say amen. Amen. Much of the time that was the case. Daughter, thy faith, or instead of saying thy, we would say your faith has made you whole. Now I know from experience, I've been a teaching for almost 47 years along these lines. That's almost a half a century. Boy, you say it like that, sounds a long time, don't it? <laughs> See me like I'm just a boy myself. I mean... <laughs> Couldn't have been at it that long. Whew, but I have. Seem like I'm just a youngster. Just a getting started here. Praise God. Amen. Full of them vigor and vitality. Hallelujah. I know from experience you teach like that and preach that to people and they get mad at you. I'm not going to hear him anymore. Same people wouldn't have heard Jesus then. See, most folks are looking for somebody else to do it for them. Now that may happen occasionally. I don't know. I can't tell you whether it will or not. Only God knows. But that's not the principal way, the main way that Jesus ministered. Can you see that? 
Daughter, thy faith, your faith has made you whole. I don't know about you, but that so thrilled me when I found that out that my faith could do it. I knew I didn't need anything else. Now, if you have to, well, fine. But I remember as a teenager on the bed of sickness when I found that out, and that's where I found it out, was from this story of this woman. The Spirit of God spoke to me. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. I think sometimes that we folks in the faith ministry and faith teaching forget about the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And people don't see things and understand things just because they read it or just because I preached it or you preached it. It's going to take the Holy Ghost to enlighten them. And I was reading along there, you know, in November 1933, 16-year-old boy, bedfast. I was reading from the book of Mark. I got down here to the 11th chapter of Mark where Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, believe those things he says shall come to pass, and I watch every set, therefore said you, what things ever you desire, when you pray, believe you see them, you'll have them. I read that one time, never have forgotten it. Somebody said, Did you memorize that? No, I didn't memorize it. I read it once. And it's been there ever since. Praise God. And so I'm meditating on that. Meditating on Mark 11, 23 and 24. And I just got to the place I didn't think anything. You know, your mind got quiet. No, 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 no. Let me teach you how to, how to listen to your spirit. Your spirit's trying to talk to you all the time, but if you're busy physically and making so much noise, you know, you can be as noisy mentally as you are physically. You know, you could clap your hands and stomp your feet and make all kinds of noise. You know, you can be just as noisy mentally. But when I got quiet, mentally, then in here, I heard these words. We call it sometimes a still, small voice. I heard these words. Did you notice that the woman with the issue of blood in the fifth chapter marked that her faith made her whole? You see, Mark 11, 23 and 24 talks about your faith and my faith, the individual's faith. I remember I just said out loud, you know, like I was talking to somebody in the room. No, no, I never noticed that. And in my partial paralyzed condition, it must have taken me 10 minutes to turn five pages to get back to Mark 5. But I got back over there and read the whole story. That's the reason I like Mark's account. See, start reading the 25th verse. There's a certain woman with issue of blood, 12 years, suffered many things, many physicians, nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, touched his garment, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, it shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body, she's healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, Master, behold, a multitude throng with thee and sayest thou, who touched me? And he looked around about to see her done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling came and fell down before him. And and told him all the truth. And Jesus, he said unto her, Daughter, 34th verse, thy faith. I got out of that 34th verse. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. I said, it does say that, don't it? <laughs> yeah, it says it. It says it. It says it. Well, I'm paralyzed. 
I got an incurable blood disease, the doctor said. He just got through telling me that just a few days before. Son, if you didn't have the heart condition, if you didn't have the paralysis, this incurable blood disease alone would prove to be fatal to you. But the Spirit said to my spirit, on the basis of the Word of God, if her faith made her whole, then your faith can make you whole. Glory, 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 glory. Now in these meetings here, we're in about our 21st month now, aren't we? July, August, September. Oh, no, yeah, we are in our 21st. Or actually, 20, 20, 22nd month. August, September. It'll be 24, and then October the 1st, we'll start a third year of services Monday through Friday. Now, we've had people healed by different methods. Sometimes there's manifestations of the Spirit. Sometimes the power and the presence of God are just so real. You know, we had the lady here a little over a year ago that's on her way to the Mayo Clinic. She had been operated on six months before a thyroid operation, and they accidentally slit her esophagus. And for six months, she hadn't been able to swallow. Then they'd operate on her, on her throat, her neck, 11 times. Her neck was just a solid mass of incisions where they'd cut her 11 different, wasn't it? Well, I saw her sitting back over here. I hadn't talked to her, but I saw a tube in her nose. I didn't know whether it's for her to breathe or what it was for. They fed her through that thing. She had lost 90 pounds in that six months. Now, the presence of God's here. We're just all worshiping God. I tell you, I said, I said the presence of the Lord's here, so if you seem like if you had a knife, you just cut a chunk of it out and take it home with you. You can receive your healing just sitting there. And she just said, yeah, it's mine. I'll take it right now. Pulled a tube out of her nose. Was healed. Went across the street here to the Monterey restaurant. That Mexican house. Hadn't had a solid bite of food for six months and ate two Mexican dinners. <laughs> Stayed around here the rest of the week, didn't she? Eating and healed. Praise God. <laughs> Nobody touched her. Nobody laid a hand upon her. Hallelujah. No. No one. Now again, there was a lady here from Georgia. I hadn't talked to her. I think Wyatt had. I didn't know about her, but she had cancer. She had been operated on, I think, a time or two before. Now the doctor said it spread all over her body. It's in her blood. It's in every gland in her body and so on and so forth. Now I was standing along here when I suddenly had what, now here are manifestations of the Spirit. We have more of them a lot of times than people realize. They're being manifested all along, you see. And I, I'm, I'm standing here, and I suddenly had what I call a mini-mini vision. I saw that lady standing in the aisle there. See, she is sitting right next to the aisle. I saw myself standing on the platform. I've never done it before. I've never done it since then. I don't know whether I ever will or not. Not unless I see it in the Spirit. You see what I mean? I saw myself point to her, you see. Now, this is what I saw. Hear her and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And I saw her go over backwards in the floor. I saw a man standing in the aisle here. I did the same thing. I saw a man over there. And so I just stopped and acted that out. Jesus said, whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. The works that Jesus said, I do, so you do also. Now, I really didn't know when you, it's according to how you, I, I don't know, I, I struggle for a way to say this sometimes how deep you are in the spirit. I call it getting lost in the spirit sometimes, you see. You, you know, I had to play the tape back sometimes to see what I said myself. I'm not speaking out of my mind. The Holy Ghost does not dwell in my head, nor yours either. He's in your heart. That's your spirit. Are you listening to it? You speak out of the inside of you, you see. Well, in the, then it registers on your ears better than it does mine, you see, because it didn't come out of my mind. 
And, and so I had to, uh, they, they said to me, and I had to play the tape back to see if that's what I said. I didn't know I ever said it. They said she fell down the floor, but that you rebuked death, that you rebuked cancer, that you commanded every cell to be healed, that you commanded her blood to be healed. And you know she was? I said, you know she was? And then she came back here and went to school this past year and graduated. And the doctors, you see, they gave her clean bell health, all right, but they want you to keep coming back because if it don't break out of a certain length of time, well, then you're healed. And so this past May then, we got word, you know, she went back again, you know, they made, they couldn't find a trace of it. It's all gone. As far as we're concerned, that's it. That's it. Now, see, you see, here's two different manifestations. Now, again, when we first started these meetings in October, two years ago, this October, there's a young man came, sat right over here to the side. Wasn't even a Christian, not even saved. 27-year-old young man. Now they want to take his arm off. He's got a, a, a growth on his arm. It's it's very worst kind of cancer. You see, they ran a, you know, a test on it. It's 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 the worst kind. They said if you don't take your arm off, you'll be dead in 30 days. You'll be dead in 30 days. Well, he went to another cancer clinic. Told him the same thing. Went to the third cancer clinic. Told him the same thing. Then he called his mother. He is in college, studying to be a lawyer. Well, he had no connection really much. He's one of this rebellious group, you know. He had no, but his mom had got into charismatic move, you know. And so she, she said, well, let's go to Tulsa. So they came down here. Now he sat there and listened and he said, now that all sounds, you know, I don't understand all of it. But when I got over on this part that I'm teaching right now, that's the reason you see we keep coming over different areas again and again and again and again. We got a different crowd to come in. And so he said, now that sounds, of course, I guess maybe being logical, being trained as a lawyer, his mind is more analytical. And I told this same incident about myself, you see, and how I was healed. And so he said, I can see that. I can see that. Daughter of thy faith made thee whole. The spirit said to me, now the spirit didn't say anything to him. He just heard it talk. He said, I'll just accept it on my own faith. I'll just accept it on my own faith. Just sitting there. Nobody ever prayed for him. Never came up to the front. Hands were never laid upon him. He never fell under the power. No power was ever transmitted to him. But bless God, he went back to the same doctors and they couldn't find a trace of it. And nearly two years have come and gone and he's still healed. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. Faith works. Say it out loud. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Say this. My faith works. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Whose faith made her whole? Hers did. Now, here's another little clue that'll help you to help me. Oh, how it helped me immeasurably. You know, I think again, let me stop. Would you mind me taking a little side excursion? Really, it's not too much of a side excursion. Sometimes folks get as much good out of that as do anything. I think sometimes that we folks that are faith teachers and call ourselves faith teachers, you see, we're growing spiritually and we can believe for more than we did yesterday. But if we're not careful, we preach faith on a level where we are now and everybody tries to get right there and you can't get there and we didn't get there overnight and you're not going to. And besides that, the principles of faith are still identically the same no matter where you are. For instance, did you ever go to school and learn the multiplication table? 
How many of you still works for you? You still use it? Don't care if you're a college graduate, still works, don't it? You still need it, don't you? I said, don't you? All right. The same basic multiplication table, understand it, of faith. You see what I mean? The same principles of faith are still just as necessary today as they were when you first learned them. Don't go off and say, well, I'm out beyond that. That'd be like a fella said, well, I graduated in college. I don't need the multiplication table anymore. Well, he won't get fur without it. (laughs) Amen, isn't that right? I said, isn't that right? Amen. Amen. And that's just like this. You went to school. Now, I don't know how they teach in these days, but in my day, they taught us the ABCs, you know. Sooner or later, you're going to have to learn them. And you don't get up to the place and say, well, I don't ever use ABCs anymore. Don't need them anymore. I'm out beyond that, you know. I've grown so. No, I'll tell you, we, if we'd get back to the ABCs of faith, they'll work for us all the days of our life for spiritual things and never grow old. Are you listening? All right, listen, here's a clue about faith. Oh, it blessed me. I, I just get to thinking about it and something, something on the inside of me starts turning flips. <laughs> That's that end where they know there's a man on the inside. I don't know about this fellow on the outside whether he'd be successful in make a turn in a flip or two, but, but that fellow on the inside. <laughs> oh, but that fellow on the inside's already turning flips. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God! Hallelujah! Amen! Hallelujah! I like this. Now you can not like it, but that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> fellow one time up there. Uh, I don't know when Doug was with us. We was, we, we was up in Portland. And, and so there's a fellow ran after me there one night. Ordinarily, I don't talk to people. After the morning service in these meetings, I'll, I'll hang around sometime and talk to people. But nighttime, you know, you've ministered, ministered under the anointing. Some way or another, when that anointing settles down in you, it'll settle down in your legs and you can't hardly stand up. And, and so you just want to get away from everybody. So, so somebody's helping me, Doug or somebody, to my car, you know, and and this fellow ran up there, you know. I want to talk to you, Brother Hagin. I, well, I stopped momentarily. He said, I just want to tell you something. I don't like your preaching. I don't like your teaching. I don't like anything you've said morning or night. <laughs> About that tone, see? You could tell he didn't like it. <laughs> well, it sort of tickled me, really. And I sort of laughed. And I said, well, dear brother, that's your problem, not mine. Don't tell me about it. That's your problem. You know, and he stopped dead still and looked around a little bit, and he said, he began to laugh. He said, you know, that's right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he said, that's right. That's my problem. So, so whatever you do with it is not my problem. It's yours. I accepted it. Glory to God. I enjoyed it. Amen. It's just sort of like this today if we was passing out ice cream cones. I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd eat mine. Now, you might throw yours down. <laughs> but that's not my problem. That's your problem. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Are you out there? I don't know whether you're enjoying this or not, but I'm just having the time of my life. It gets any little boy said this. It is gooder and gooder. Hallelujah. All right. Look here. Look here. Look here. Look. Look. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Your faith did it. Now look at the previous verse. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. 
Or turn over there to Mark 5, read 28th verse and put the 34th verse with it. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And Jesus said, daughter, thy faith made you. I want you to see what she said was her faith speaking. What she said was her faith speaking. How can you tell what you believe? But start listening to what you say. How can you change your believing? By changing your thinking. Start thinking in line with God's word and talking in line with God's word and believing in line with God's word. Amen. Well, I want to be healed, but I don't think I will. Well, start thinking you will then. But how can I think I will when I don't know whether it's God's will or not? Well, read the will and find out. The Bible, you see, it says New Testament. Did you ever go to where they read a will? It said the last testament and will of John Henry Jones. Last testament and will. Well, you see, the New Testament is the last testament and will. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What does it say in there? Himself took our infirmities and bare sicknesses by whose stripes ye were healed. Start thinking that. Start thinking that. Start believing that. Start talking that. What you say is your faith speaking. You see now why Jesus here asked these men, what do you believe? He wants to get them located. What they say is their faith speaking. He got a confession out of them, didn't he? He got them to say something, didn't he? Listen, if you don't want certain things to happen, don't ever voice it. Are you listening to me? If you want it to happen, give voice to it. I'm going to get around to that sooner or later. I've got something on it and some further insight than what I had before. Hallelujah. Listen, are you ready? You say, Brother Hagin, ready? What do you mean ready? Are you ready to believe God? Are you ready to receive from God? Well, now then, let's just don't stop with healing. Whatever it is, you see, it's it received by faith. That's the way you receive from God, by faith. By faith, are you saved? By grace, are you saved? Through faith. You see, that's, that, that's the way it happens. It's faith. The whole Christian walk, we walk by faith. We live by faith, the Bible said. Hallelujah, doesn't it? Well, you receive by faith. Notice Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, send you what things ever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive. 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 See, this woman believed that if I touch his garment or clothes, I'll receive. And she did. Now, are you ready to believe, to receive whatever need? If it's a, listen, I'm led to minister this way today. Not just healing only. If you're ready to receive your healing, believe that you receive your healing. No, not believe that you're going to be healed sometime. That's not what I said. Believe that you receive your healing today. Then stand up. Then stand up. Then stand up. Then stand up. All right. Now, close your eyes. Shut everybody out. Forget there's anybody else here but you. Lift one hand up toward heaven. Say it out loud. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was made sin for me. I believe that he was made sickness for me. For it is written, himself 
took my infirmities and bear my sicknesses. I believe that God the Father raised him from the dead for my justification that I might be set right with God. I am set right with God. I believe that. Hallelujah. And now I come to receive my healing. According to the word of God, I am healed. For it is written in 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes ye were healed. If we were healed, I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that I receive my healing. I believe that I receive. I believe that I receive. Some of you still getting it wrong. I believe that I receive. I receive my healing. Hallelujah. Now put your other hand up and thank him for it. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Hallelujah. Now, while these people are standing, listen to me real carefully. If you have in your life a spiritual need, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, or any spiritual need, if you have a material need or a financial need, I want you to stand up. Now, you see, we've already dealt with the physical needs. You couldn't have any need beyond those four. Spiritual, physical, material, financial. Any need you have comes under one of those categories. Well, is he able? I said, is he able? Is the Lord able to meet that need? That's why he asked, they believe you that I'm able to do this. Is he able to do it? You believe he's able to do it? I said, you believe he's able to do it? Well, put your hand up if you do. Now put your hand down. All right, is he willing to do it? I said, is he willing to do it? Well, somebody said, I don't know for sure. Well, you sit down because you won't get anything. Be sure you know that. Hallelujah. Well, he's able to do it and he's willing to do it. Now, when does he want to do it? Now. 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 Hallelujah. Now, let's look there at Mark eleven twenty four again. See, here's some teaching of Jesus. What things have you desire when you pray? When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. All right? It's healing. So we'll put healing in there. When you pray, believe that you receive healing and you'll have healing. Well, it's spiritual need. When you pray, believe that you receive the spiritual need and you'll have the spiritual need. Well, it's a financial need. When you pray, believe you receive the financial need and you'll have the financial need. Well, it's a material need. When you pray, believe you receive the material need and you'll have. See, whatever it is, put it in there. Can you see that? That's what Jesus taught people. If we're going to do the works of Jesus, we're going to have to teach people the same thing. Isn't he teaching on faith when he said these words? I said, isn't he? I said, isn't he? Yes, that's what he taught them. What am I going to teach people about faith? I'm going to teach the same thing he did. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. So therefore, I say, and you want things every you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you'll have them. 
Are you ready to believe that you'll receive them? Now notice this. Notice this real carefully. When are you going to have them? Your healing, financial needs, material needs. After you believe you'll receive them. Isn't that what he said? Now when do you believe that you'll receive them? Before you have them. See, you don't base it on the physical senses. You base it on what the Word of God says and on what you believe. Can you see that? All right, now, how about the rest of you? Uh, do, will you agree with these folks that are standing and help them add your faith to their faith to believe they receive? If so, stand with us. Stand with us. Father, keep your hand up, you folks that have come for a need, and repeat this prayer after me. And it won't hurt the rest of you to pray it too. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a right to the use of that name. For that name belongs to us. That name belongs to us. That name belongs to us. That name belongs to Learn the reality of that name. Learn the power of that name. Learn the joy of using that name, and so you'll go forth with authority that you never had before. <laughs> That's what the Spirit said. Amen. Praise God. That name belongs to me. Say it again. Say it again. So I come in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you said in your word. When you pray, pray, believe that you receive, receive, and ye shall have. And And I believe believe that I receive receive today today the spiritual need, the the physical need, the the material need, the the financial need met met now now in Jesus' name. name. I believe it in my heart. And because I believe it in my heart, I say it with my mouth. My need is met. Say it again. 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 Now put your hands up and praise him because your need is met. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.